For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Happy holidays. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. What an exciting time, huh? What an exciting time. First and foremost, thank you guys. And I always like to thank my guests, and I thank Enzo for being on last week, and I thank my guests this week. But first and foremost, and most importantly, thank you guys for all of the feedback that I got after the roadblock end of the line kickoff show. It was, and I'll talk more about it in State of Wrestling, but it was one of the funnest, coolest things that I have ever gotten to do. It was everything you could possibly expect it to be. And WWE was just, it was. You know how they say, like, you're not supposed to meet your heroes? I just don't think it's true. Because everybody at WWE, and I know it sounds like I'm just, like, kissing ass or whatever, but I'm not. There was no, there were no negative people. Everybody made me feel welcome, and it was just so much fun, and I'm so, I I didn't want to check Twitter afterwards, because I was worried. You know, I was nervous. That's what I was more nervous about than anything, was the feedback that I would get. But you guys were so nice, and so cool, and, and positive, and enjoyed the kickoff show so much that it was just awesome. It was it made the experience that much more awesome. So thank you so much for being as cool as you all were. Um, I'm going to have a special guest in the state of wrestling this week after the interview as a thank you to the people that have been loyal to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast for as long as you have. Don't forget to leave a review and rate us on iTunes if you haven't done that yet because it's very, very helpful to the podcast if you can rate and leave a review because they have a whole thing over there on iTunes. But subscribe, rate, review. It's the rules of podcasting. This week on the show, before we get to State of Wrestling, before we talk about everything that went down at Roadblock End of the Line, before my special guest comes in, it's interview time. Of course it's interview time. And who better before the holidays to make their return to the podcast then Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. WWE was in town recently. They were in White Plains, New York, doing a, a live event. And I got to go backstage and talk to Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. We talked about a bunch of stuff. We talked about performing in New York. We talked about some of their favorite buildings uh, when they were growing up. Uh, we talked about Finn Balor. Very, very fun interview. Uh, it's always fun with those guys. If you guys, if you haven't heard the first time they were on the show, it was, well, Carl Anderson was on the show way back when, uh, when he was in town, when he was still in New Japan. He stopped by and did the show. That was, and I mean, it's still available. All the old episodes are still available for free on iTunes. Uh, So check that out if you haven't heard it. And then, of course, over the summer, Gallows and Anderson were part of the big Summer Sam, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live show here in the city at Caroline's on Broadway. So check those shows out if you haven't. And if you have, then enjoy my brand new interview, which will be up on YouTube eventually, youtube.com slash notsam. My brand new interview with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. 
And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Look who's back. Brother, it's great to be back already. Can Luke? I introduce myself? Yeah, you can introduce oh, yeah. yourself. Let's go ahead. Our home away from home, the Sam Roberts Show. <laughs> There's no Joe audience. Carl Anderson. No, no audience. audience, but yeah. we've got the one and only Joe Villa behind the camera. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that yells at us if we say the wrong words. <laughs> he's, like very, he's very GNA friendly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, welcome, and welcome to uh, Westchester. Have you been to Westchester, New York before? We're at the of course. This is a historic building here in the WWE universe. Yes. Um, Many years ago, and a lot of wrestling history, as Carl Anderson attempts to shove the microphone down my throat. <laughs> For a guy with such great mic skills that people might not understand, yeah, he, he will be the guy that will start telling the story. Like, hey, <laughs> hey, put that microphone down your throat, fella. <laughs> I, for one, have never been here before. Wow. So you know. Yeah, this was uh, this was the building. I guess. Do you guys have buildings? Because you guys grew up huge wrestling fans. Yeah. Do you guys have have buildings like this? Is the one like I went to like raw tapings yeah. in this building in like 94 and stuff yeah, like that. Absolutely. What's your, what's your building? Mine, uh, we were like between Pittsburgh, uh, DC and Baltimore, but I, my dad took us to a lot of shows, but the one that always stands out the most is I was in Pittsburgh when mankind was thrown off the hell in a cell at the 1998 King of the ring. You were there. And that was a very historic, uh, moment in my childhood and in the annals of WWE history, which you can see on the WWE network for just nine <laughs> a month. And you know why that's even crazier too? Cause if I remember, wasn't that pay-per-view, didn't they do Austin and Kane after. first blood after that? And they ended up lowering the cell anyway, because I mean, but who knew? Wow. You're a kid. Yeah. You're watching that you would grow up to be Kane. <laughs> is that not crazy? <laughs> yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was one of those things. <laughs> Made a little money. <laughs> right? A couple bucks, a couple greenbacks, <laughs> rode off into the sunset. Bought an Escalade. <laughs> what about you? Do you have a Carl Anderson? Do you have a building? Asheville Civic Center was where I watched, man. I saw Terry Funk and Ric Flair oh, in a cage, cage match. I also, what sticks out to me the most, you remember Laser Tag? Of course. Because I just figured that out was. Laser Tron. Laser Tron, wow. my bad. Was Hector Guerrero Get it right, right or pay the price? Was that right? Was it Hector? <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't booked on that show. I don't know. If you, if you, if you grabbed his heart or something, he'd do the. Uh, I remember Lasertron. I don't know who was under the uh, the, the gizimic, but It was Hector. <laughs> so you got to see Laser Hector Guerrero as yeah. Lasertron. Laser Hector. Didn't I like wasn't it. Hector, Hector Guerrero was the man? I love Hector. Guerrero. Yeah, he liked the little thing right here, and he'd like. <laughs> wasn't he the gobbledygooker too? Yeah, uh, he, he just did whatever. He's like, a brother. He was ready to go. <laughs> he's a little gimmicky brother, you know. <laughs> and I went to the. Uh, we, I lived in Atlanta for a little while, so we went to the um, the uh, Omni. The uh, Omni. Uh, what's it called? The, uh, the it's called the Omni. The Omni. Yeah, I saw it's the Rock and Roll. Butcher, didn't you? You have a great yeah, story about that. Let me tell your story for you. <laughs> yeah. I saw Abdul the Butcher at a, at a bar. At a, uh, I was just a kid, and it was watching an independent wrestling show. It was Dusty Rhodes versus Abdul the Butcher, oh, and. Baby. Yeah, and I saw that. That was in Athens, Georgia. What an indie brother I am. Yeah. I get I get I, <laughs> I get jealous of experiences like that cuz I grew up like specifically northeast New York, WWF, WWE is the end all be all. So yeah. this idea that like you go back and watch the flares and the funks and all this stuff, like that didn't that wasn't real life to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It didn't no. that wasn't even that's history. My dad took me in. Uh, it was like I said. It was Dusty and Abdul the Butcher, and I heard that Abdul the Butcher. I never heard of it before. I didn't know who he was going to be. And I imagined a little white guy walking out with like a butcher stuff on. He's going to cut <laughs> stuff with like knives, and then this massive, you know, you see the scariest man of all yeah, time. Yeah, crazy, crazy <laughs> Abdul the Butcher was. Marks in his face. <laughs> it was the scariest thing I've ever seen. They all had blood everywhere, and it was insane. But 
Yeah, that's what I grew up on, man. The NWA, Ric Flair, and the, and the Four Horsemen, and cool stuff like that. I caught a uh, I caught Terry Funk's Funk You T-shirt in 1997. He was wrestling Abdullah the Butcher in an Anything Goes match in Kaiser, West Virginia, and I remember they were smashing each other's heads into the wall, and I was following them around, wiping their blood onto this gray T-shirt that I caught. And because it, that was that made the souvenir that made even it better. great. So yeah. he ended up signing the shirt for me later on, and it hung in my bedroom where I grew up until. I was about 16, and uh, I came home from like practice one night, and the shirt was there, but it was folded, and it just looked kind of pink. My mom washed the shirt. <laughs> no, and I was like, "What in the f is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> was your dad there when you were taking these wrestlers' blood and putting it on the no, shirt? No, no, my old trainer Jimmy Furstenberg took me to that match. <laughs> he didn't mind. That you were <laughs> he, he, he was fine with Get the blood, boy. Get the blood, son. <laughs> so now, do you guys like? Do you guys realize that as you're having matches that like say like for instance I did the same thing like we I saw Sabu fight Shane Douglas in my high school gym yeah and they were putting each other through tables and I was one of the kids just running after him trying to pick up pieces of the, piece table of the table and bring course. it home and everything yeah. like when you guys are doing stuff like this like do you get that like if a piece of your wrist tape falls off some kid's gonna want to grab it or a piece of the table or whatever it is I, or is, I have you know. not realized you're there. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess we look at it differently now. You don't think about that stuff as much, but we sure did back then. I remember Vader in a stretcher match with Psycho Sid in D.C. Uh, in the WWE at that time, and Vader was on the stretcher in the aisle, and we had aisle tickets, and I got a hold of his boot. <laughs> and he almost kicked my head off, but I wanted to touch a wrestling boot, you know? It was right. a big thing. <laughs> right. That's true. I, I remember one of the Raws we were at when we first got going, I think John's music hit, and like the camera panned back to us, and I looked up and I said something. And the camera went back, and my wife asked me what I said to, to, to Gallows. And I go, I said, this is pretty effing cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Only bummer is you couldn't catch his hat. Yeah. Because no. you, <laughs> you were in the ring. So I would love to have caught his hat. Yeah, that wasn't going to go to you that kids, time. man. <laughs> <laughs> who, do the kid, who do the kids like? Because I follow your, your Instagram. You're a very proud dad. Yep. Do the ki are the kids uh, Gallows and Anderson fans? Because there's not that many, you know, I hope you guys don't take offense to this. Yeah. There's not that many kids, I don't think. Well, no. They're fans of Gallows and Anderson. No, my kids are Gallows and Anderson fans. They love Gallows. He's a big guy. But my littlest <laughs> one does run up to me and ask me to take his shirt off. And I go, why? And he's a John Cena, John Cena. He loved, they love John Cena. Love John Cena. Love John Cena. My son is nine, and he is not a Gallows and Anderson fan. Either. He doesn't like what you're no, doing. He does not. He doesn't approve, doesn't like it. He likes all the good guys. So. <laughs> my my four-year-old loves the big guys, because like, I'm obviously not a huge guy. So when he sees, like, Gallows and Braun like in Roman, he just gets all pumped up. Man. Right. Those the big brothers, you know. And you're just like, I'll never – I mean, I can go out, but I'll yeah. never be that tall. I, you know, I can't get there, man. Dad's a pretty good little bump and feed guys so. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we got this palace boy <laughs> how have you liked uh, uh what's been going on on raw lately i feel like uh every other episode depending on when i'm watching it's like you guys are either almost the tag team champions or you're drifting further away and then the next week you're right there close again and then you drift way far away again it's a little stop and start ski but uh Just you know the good fight out there good brother you know we'll get there yeah <laughs> yeah we're just entertaining the masses putting smiles on faces and enjoying traveling the whole world baby I was talking to Enzo about the, the uh, injection of more soap opera-y storyline type stuff that's yeah. kind of new, and they did the uh, Seamus and Cesaro thing in the bar. I feel like it was kind of the same thing. You guys obviously like to have fun. Are you excited about the idea that, that 
there could be more skits yeah. and entertainment-based stuff. Yeah, we basically think that everything we do should be filmed from a <laughs> We can't get anybody on board with that. So. <laughs> I mean, we're trying our hardest. We're throwing lots of pitches out there that don't seem to be, be like this, they're, and they're just kind of falling. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying, well, baby. Some of the fans think that, like, you guys should just be ass-kicking machines. Like, you yeah. should just be mean. You shouldn't talk. You should just go out there, beat people up, and that should be it. If that were the thing, would you guys be like, no, I don't want to – I want to talk a little bit, too. I want to have some... I mean, I, I think that uh, we're pretty well-rounded brothers. Yeah. I think our brother rating is pretty high. I, th- <laughs> I like to think that we can do it all. Um, I see that point of view, but, I mean, in this day and age, it's hard to just be a one-dimensional type of character yeah. like that because I feel like you can only go so far when you're doing that, so you kind of have to have a little bit of everything, you know, flavors of ice cream, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we like... It's fun to be butt kickers and, and, and all that, but I think we like to entertain a lot. Yeah. I think that's a, a facet of our personalities that we do, you know, anyway. So I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather be having fun. Well, you're you in know. you're in Westchester tonight. But on the 28th of December, you guys are going you're going to New York. You're yeah. going to Brooklyn. Going yeah. To Brooklyn. Do you like uh you like the the Barclays Center? That's where Man, the Barclays Center. That's that's Brooklyn, New York, the Big Apple, baby. That's the center of right. the WWE universe. And anybody who's watched live from the Barclays Center, you you see how insane that building is how much electric there is how much passion there is from the fans we love to be a part of it we're bringing the holiday tour on like you said december 28th all your favorite wwe superstars top to bottom we're coming out of the holidays just like you are we're going to be amped up it's going to be a great show i guarantee it yeah new york's the greatest we were just here for uh well, in august for SummerSlam for a week and we enjoyed ourselves immensely it's uh <laughs> yeah brooklyn sweet you know looking forward to it can't wait yeah it's awesome it's gonna be a good show and yeah. i was saying before it's just a, it's a great building to watch live shows in it too because it's just yeah. like like the, it's like got like a like a pay-per-view quality vibe yeah. but it's got that fun aspect of just doing a live show yeah it's new york yeah you know yeah it's just new york is just the coolest city in the world i think i asked you before i think i asked you when we did the live show but we're probably getting closer actually when we did the live show finn balor wasn't hurt so i couldn't have asked you at the live show yeah but that's probably everybody else has asked you that's why yeah. but are you looking forward to finn balor coming back or is it the furthest thing from your mind because right now you're you're, you're focused on, on the career of Gallows and Anderson. I can't wait to get him back. I was just texting with him today, and uh, I'm always afraid he's kayfabing me or something or <laughs> lying to me about right. showing up because I'm, I'm telling you, he's a, I named my second son after him, middle, middle name. If he shows up on a Monday and I'm and like I don't know about it, right. it's gonna be hot, man. He <laughs> would a, do that to you, though, wouldn't he? Little heat ski. He better fill a brother in. But <laughs> he better not show up. But, but you don't have a date yet. That's your problem. I don't have any date yet. So he might. He I'm might like, have are it. you? He's like I'm in Iceland. Like why are you not in Iceland, man? Are you <laughs> yeah. lying to me? Like, he's in a tour bus. He's in that. He's yeah, in that. So do not knock on this door after 4 p.m. tour bus. Like, yeah. If you just show up, <laughs> I'm really gonna question our friendship, man. You know, right, <laughs> right. Give well, me, shoot me a little warning text. I hope for the, I hope for the sake of your guys' friendship that he yeah. that he gives you the heads up. Me because too, that's not that cool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> let him come back. Let us let him reform the original Bullet Club, and we'll just tear everything apart. You will, right? Yes, <laughs> yes you will. That's one of those pitches we've thrown. How's See if six or not. <laughs> just kind of goes right down the wall. Away. Oh man, when we first got these things, they stuck, but they don't <laughs> seem to stick anymore. They're all linty and yeah, stuff. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I can't wait, man. Yeah, I can't. Wait I can't too. wait, and I can't wait to see you guys out there. Thanks for hanging out again, brother. In yeah. closing, uh, when you need your next tattoo or piercing, come to the Luke Gallows <laughs> owned Painted Gypsy Tattoo, 1140 North Tech Drive, Conyers, Georgia. Come on out and see us. I'll be there. Maybe. It's going to be awesome. There you go.
go. There it is. So if, in your, if you're in New York, yeah. go to the show on the 28th in Brooklyn. Show, right. yeah. But if you're in Georgia, come to get a tattoo. Get a tattoo. Of yeah. Hey. See the brothers. Yeah. <laughs> See the brothers. Live. Has you given, have you given Carl Anderson a tattoo, Ivan? Oh, I don't actually do the tattoos. You don't? Yeah, I just kind of walk around and be a brother. I mm. bebop through the shop, talk to people, keep the morale <laughs> up. I'm a big morale booster. That's so, a, you know. a lot of these tattoo places, they don't have guys that bebop. No, they don't you have a lot I mean? of beboppers. I'm the official bebopper of Painted Gypsy Tattoo. Plus... You figure like if I can open my own tattoo place, I get I get freebies. Oh, yeah. all, <laughs> all my tattoos are free now. On so the house. Hopefully, I don't show up with Bam Bam Bigelow flames on my head. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but if you do, it's on the house, baby. If you do, <laughs> it was from Painted Gypsy Tattoo in Conyers, Georgia. I love it. Thanks, guys. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it, good brother. For sure. Here is Sam Roberts. It seems more and more, especially on TV, as you watch Gallows and Anderson, that they're they're much more free about calling themselves Good Brothers. The Good Brothers thing and the two suites and all that stuff, all the backstage stuff that they do seems to be seeping on the air, which I love because I just get a kick out of it no matter what. And I'll tell you this. One of my favorite pictures I have now is my wife, Jess, who's like anybody who's watched the kickoff show, the Roadblock End of the Line kickoff show, knows is pregnant. She's about seven months pregnant, and she was there when I did the interview, and I have a picture. They go – I was like, let's take a photo, and they were like – Oh, is your wife getting in? And I was like, yeah, sure. And they said, can we two-sweet the baby? And they both put the two-sweets on her belly, which to me is probably going to be the photo that we post uh, everywhere. It's going to be bigger than his birth photo, I think, is the two-sweets. Uh, I wanted to bring on a guest this week for State of Wrestling, somebody that a lot of you have wondered where they are. Uh, I, I thought it valuable that uh, somebody come on and talk with me about my experience at Roadblock End of the Line because a lot of you had questions and it com- becomes difficult to answer all of them when it's just me and a microphone. You know what I mean? I wanted somebody to represent you the way I represented the WWE Universe at the kickoff show. I also wanted somebody that I could talk to about wrestling. So why don't I start this week's State of Wrestling? And I think you guys will know who my special guest is pretty quickly. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. I don't even really know where to begin with State of Wrestling this week because there's a lot to talk about just in wrestling, like in the typical State of Wrestling. SmackDown, Raw and SmackDown were both good this week for different reasons. SmackDown was like over the top. Like SmackDown was... See, Raw has been drifting into... Attitude era ish storytelling uh, with the like uh, with the Enzo and Lana stuff with the even the barroom brawl that Sheamus and Cesaro had um, and both shows I think have started to do a good job of having storylines that overlap a little bit like having Braun Strowman when I thought Braun Strowman was only going to pop up in the one segment with Sin Cara and Titus O'Neil on Raw this week I was like. That is, that's very wrestling. You know what I mean? That's just so, like, I could have seen that coming. A match that nobody really cares about. Having Braun Strowman interrupt it. Doesn't hurt anybody. Doesn't do anything for anybody. When he came out again in the main event, I said, now I'm hooked. Now I'm really interested in what's happening. And then to go from that into SmackDown, where it was, like, full-on, let's completely blur the lines of reality and storyline. Let's have Natty come out there and believably call Nikki Bella a bitch twice. 
And Miz, Miz didn't say, and this was such a big difference to me, the Miz-Renee situation, Miz didn't say, why don't you ask Dean Ambrose? You're dating him. He said, you're sleeping with him. And I was like, whoa, I'm watching a show that is targeting adults like me. This is, this is crazy. This is nuts. And Renee slapped him. It was just, I thought it was great, but we also need to talk a lot about my trip over the weekend to Roadblock End of the Line and being a part of the kickoff show, which was amazing. Uh, and a lot of people were asking me questions about it. A lot of people were, were talking to me about uh, uh, wanting me to get into it on the podcast this week. And it's difficult sometimes. I could just kind of talk about my experiences, but I thought that I wanted to find somebody who could be the way I was the voice of the fan on Roadblock End of the Line kickoff show this week. I needed a voice of you to ask me about my experience as the voice of the fan. And I needed that voice to also be somebody that I could talk about uh, what happened on wrestling this week with. So I decided that the best thing I could do is find somebody, number one, who didn't turn their alerts off on their phone. But also I figure I needed somebody who had my back in this. So what do you do? What do you do when you're starting an army? You reach out to the people you know. You reach out to your friends. You reach out to the hype girl. <laughs> Katie Lindahl's back. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Well, it hasn't been given for a few months, but <laughs> I've also been working on in, in in lieu of the car. Yeah, I've been working on my bronze. <laughs> Braun Strowman. <laughs> oh, from the beginning of the song? It's so good. <laughs> so I don't know where to start with you, Katie. First of all, Katie's back. I'm happy um, to be back. Hi, everybody. Yeah, people were convinced that uh, you and I had uh, uh, ceased communication altogether, that something uh, catastrophic had happened. No it matter would how... take you throwing me through a nativity set, Braun yeah. so Strowman style. Or through a, a few Christmas trees and presents, as we saw poor Sin Cara go through, yeah. from, for us to com- cut communication. So no, I didn't die. And by the way, Carmella, very hard. Carmella taking the exact same hit on SmackDown, but from Natty. <laughs> but um, yeah, Katie, like she had a busy season in September, which led right into October, which is all the Halloween tech, and she did about one hundred fifty thousand Halloween <laughs> segments on TV and in Macy's and all over the stuff, which I was keeping track of. Then November came, and the holidays started, and, like, you're just kind of trying to peek out of the holiday haze. I don't think you're quite out yet. <laughs> right. But Katie said she was ready to uh, to talk wrestling before she went back home for the holidays, so I said, then get your butt in here, and let's talk wrestling. Well, and so, so, so excited for you. Like, oh. Roadblock, end of the line. This is the start of the line for the last professional broadcaster. Yeah. If they don't have you back, they're crazy. Well, I mean. It was really fantastic. Thank you. And I had a blast, and I would love to go back, and we'll see. But right now, they were just like, hey, do you want to? I mean, I'm even thinking. I'm not not thinking about it, but they said to me, do you want to come be on the panel for Roadblock End of the Line kickoff show? And I was like. When did this come about? Was this like a few? Can I ask you some questions? Yeah, yeah. Was this like a few months ago or like because they do everything ago. pretty well? That's actually it's pretty good lead time. Well, it's for pretty them. far in advance. It was before TLC. Wow. But it was like it wasn't even that I they didn't want me to say anything, but also I didn't want to say anything because 
not WWE, but just in entertainment in general, stuff gets canceled all the time. You know That's this, true. Katie. Like, you know, if somebody comes to you and goes, in a month, I want you for a TV show. Not even wrestling related. Hit me up the day before and let's see if it's still happening. Right. You're not, you're, might be, you, you'll tell your family and that's it. Right. Because you know the minute you announce something a month in advance is when everything gets changed and you don't end up doing it and you feel like a horse's ass. And I don't want to feel like a horse's ass. So that's why I hadn't really said anything until it was time. And I almost wanted to be like, look, you write something on your website before I say anything. Because I'm so that's my personality, too. I'm so convinced it's not going to happen until it actually happens. Um, but it happened. And I, I don't want to get you in trouble here, but this isn't your first potential high-level wrestling opportunity. So you pick and choose. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I turned, I've turned down stuff. Not from WWE, but I've, yeah. Big opportunities. Yeah, because it wasn't right for me, I didn't think. Uh, and this was very right. And it, I, honestly, like, I know it's cheesy, and I mentioned it on the pre-show, but literally, like, when I tell you it was a dream come true, like, one, I, and I think other WWE fans, and I've sp- I've talked to people in the WWE universe, and they tell me <laughs> that, uh, that it, I mean, it was a legit dream come true. It was like, you get to hang out on the panel for a pay-per-view pre-show and talk wrestling with Booker T and Renee Young and watch the show and be backstage and be a part of the whole show. It's like, it's literally a dream come true. It's not. But all that aside, yeah. we get some of the insider information here. Okay. Because you, we get, we want to know what it was like to A, did you like rehearse beforehand? Now, and understand you make it look easy because mm-hmm. you've done so much television I'm the and last radio. professional broadcaster. That's true. Yeah. And they actually put that as your title. Yeah, I mean, and well Renee said there. it. Yeah. Were you nervous, A? B, how much prep time did you have? C, was there anything that you had to stay away from talking about on air? How much can you tell us? No, it was so cool because, like, they brought me in and they were like, you know, we know what you do. We know who you are and we trust you. And, and you know, we want you to come on and give the perspective of the fan. Like, we don't want you to come on and be and, you know, give us an analysis of something that you're not necessarily. Well, because you're not a wrestler. I'm not right? a wrestler, right? So I'm not going to talk about what's going on in the ring. I'm not going to talk about stuff that I don't have any personal experience with because they have people that have that personal experience. But there's not that many people besides me. And, and it's the same position Peter Rosenberg was in a month ago at TLC that, like, we can give the perspective of the fan pretty well since that's who we are and who we talk to. Uh, and, and no, I like nothing that I said was fed to me. Like none of, none of my lines were, were given to me. They kind of told me what they wanted the show to be like a little bit, but what they wanted the show to be like was you give us the perspective of the fan. How much were they in your ear? Because that's always the thing. Like, so you always wear an IFB instant feedback, little earpiece that your producers or directors can talk to you. How much were they giving you information? People talk about that, but not at all. I mean, they were, it was like technical stuff and cues for the show and everything, but literally there was no content restriction on me and there was nobody telling me what to say in my ear at all. It was like, it was as fun were they pushing you to take, like, had. with the matches, too? No. you always had an opinion. They weren't pushing you one direction or the nope. other? They wanted my mm-hmm. opinion. That's what they said. And so I gave it to them. Like, there was absolutely no sort of controlling at all. It was it was one of—it it couldn't have been more fun to do. Like, they didn't—and I know people probably think I'm a shill because they thought I was a shill before I was actually a shill. But, yeah, it was just—it it, was—they it was, they wanted my opinion on things. And so I gave it to them. 
the funniest without lies. without you know being like sort of over the top insidery like it's for the mainstream audience. Well, and I thought it was a perfect balance between you, Renee, and Booker. I had so much I, fun I with those like too. It was like such a really good rapport. Well, Everybody also, brought something different. And Renee and Booker are so good at that. So good. Like they're like part of that thing is being able to just roll with stuff that's happening in the moment because you just don't know what's going to happen or they're going to uh, change directions and say like okay we're going to do this after this or after this segment we're going here and like neither one of them it's impossible to throw them off really and so being in a position where you've got that around you really makes it easier. Where do they have you in holding before? Anyway, you're just backstage. Backstage, like, just chilling out. There's a locker room for TV people. There's catering. It's like there's no sort of, okay, but we don't want you to interact over here. They mm. literally, and I didn't know, because, you know, you always hear about how much respect you're supposed to have in, like, the pro wrestling industry, and this guy got mad because he didn't shake this guy's hand. I'm sure it helped that I know a lot of the people who work there now, but... I came in and everybody treated me like family. Everybody was cool. Everybody was happy to see me. Did you hit that catering up? Yeah. They had the biggest chicken hard. breast you ever seen. It was like. Yeah. And thanks to you, Sam, I also discovered that you've made up with Jericho, but yet he still blocks me. What's What happened there? Not only, and I said on the podcast, not only did I get unblocked and followed, but I had this like great, pleasant conversation with Chris Jericho backstage. And then did he un- unblock you? At what point did this go down? No, this was, he unblocked me a while ago. That's crap because I this is my loyalty to you as a friend right. through and through. Yeah. I got blocked because of you. Right. And now I'm still blocked. Yeah, but that's my Not buddy. Not that I care, but like it's the year of mercy. <laughs> well, the year of mercy just wrapped up for anybody that's following. I'd like to extend an olive branch yeah. um, via an LED scarf that I, I have you actually partnered with. You want to give Chris Jericho with. an LED scarf. And we sold out. I have these amazing LED scarves that I work with with this amazing company. We sold out, but I'd like to extend my very own personal one. Wow. To Jericho. And, like, you know, it's a it's a peace offering. That's major. What a good—good that, that, for well, you. Well, no, what's major here is showing my loyalty to you. Yeah. No, I appreciate that, but, like, now Chris is, like, my buddy, so. What the heck, man? <laughs> it's crazy when stuff like that happens. I can move on. Yeah, yeah. Were you nervous, though? Because Book said at the beginning it was kind of cute. Because I was, like, sitting there watching, like, an He's like, you got to get your butterflies in line. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I had a lot of excited energy, you know. But we rehearsed it a little bit, like, just kind of blocked it out. We didn't do the segments, per se, because you don't want it. Like, if you do that show twice, it's like you've already made all your points, and it's hard to be sort of in the moment. Mm-hmm. But we, uh, we kind of just blocked through it a little bit just so everybody was familiar with what we were going to be doing and what it was going to feel like and once I realized that they kind of just wanted me to be me and kind of goofy and stuff and that everybody was having a good time with it it was I was I had like an excited energy and I was I was amped to do it but I wasn't necessarily nervous I was a little nervous the night before but and and you you're so seasoned and there's so much experience and all the hours and, and years of television, that's like a culmination point for you is like that's like one of your dreams. That all that experience is right there. I mean, you make right. it look really easy and well, I mean, smooth, but no, I'm giving you some credit thank here. Thank you. Thank you. It was smooth. Thank you. Thank you. I thought I, I was happy with it. And And then you got to enjoy the whole show because you didn't have to go back on or anything. No. No. After which is the, great. You didn't have the, the raw talk afterwards. Or anything like that. No, no. After the pre-show, I just went back and watched the whole show there, and it, I had a blast. I was so happy with the way it went, and like so thankful to the everybody at WWE who uh, supported me going there and doing that, and a lot of people that helped me and, and gave me guidance through the whole thing. Um, 
and all like the the people that I was on the panel with and the other Tom Phillips and Corey Graves and all those guys everybody was amazing. Is Michael there one Cole. interaction with either someone in the crew or a wrestler that really stood out that whole time? I don't I mean Michael Cole was immensely helpful. Uh the producers are really really good at explaining exactly kind of what they like. You know what I mean? And and kind of me being able to wrap my head around that and they were like they were really good at being like, we're happy that you're here. We want you to be here and to do this. And like, just to, just to instill that in you, like make sure that you know that they want you there. Yeah, Cause not all places do that when you go on TV, you know what I mean? You're kind of a cog and that's not the way it was at all. I want something specific though. Maybe give me your one Mark inner Mark secret moment that you had that like when we were at WrestleMania, the one year and the big show came out of the elevator and we're like, what's up dude? And it was like, oh. Big Show just came out, like, it was just, like, unexpected. Like, what was one moment that you're like, that was legit? Um, I don't know. There was this one moment where, like, we were, I was just sitting in the locker room before the thing. And Roman Reigns just walked in. He's like, what's up, dude? Signed your name on the dotted line, huh? Uh-oh. <laughs> and, like, just acknowledging. It was cool to know that, like, somebody like Roman Reigns was aware of why I was there. That's And he was cool. like, here we go. Like, welcome. It was almost like a... It was almost like, uh-oh, are you running away with the circus right now? Because we're all on this runaway train, and I think you just jumped on. Um, so that was cool. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a lot of fun. And then, like, it's it's cool to have been a part of it. See, I want to talk about the pay-per-view, but I'm so biased <laughs> on that pay-per-view because, because of my experience. Well, anytime you experience anything live, but then to have really a foot in the ring in the arena. Yeah. Like, I thought Roadblock End of the Line was the single greatest pay-per-view WWE's ever produced. Okay, that's but, a little but, bit of a stretch, dude. Yeah, but <laughs> some people didn't think so. But so it's, it's tough for me to seriously talk about the show without being completely clouded by my own experience. Um, you know, but I, I thought uh, I liked, as I said on the pre-show, I really liked that uh, Jericho and Owens ended up being friends again because... I think that the slow burn that's going on with them is going to make for an amazing Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, WrestleMania match. Good point. And that's not till April. So you've got like three months or so to kind of let that burn out. Um, I don't think that it's going to be a situation where Chris Jericho wins the Royal Rumble and then challenges Kevin Owens for the title just because I don't think that that's going to be your Raw championship match. I don't think that the universal title match is going to be Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho. Kevin Owens, I would think, will probably lose the title before. And maybe it'll be Jericho's fault, and that'll be that'll be your one of your WrestleMania matches. I think you had a really great point in the pre-show, and then something we talked about afterwards. The kickoff show. Sorry, dude. The end of the line, Roadbuck, Wim- Wimbledon, right. Smash Brothers. Kickoff show. Super Mario Run. Uh Jericho is at a peak, man. He, he is. is at the top of his game. He is. He really is. I mean, and the only other discussion to have is storytelling-wise is what's going on right now better than his 2009 run with Shawn Michaels. Like, that's the only—and that's a debate, and I could definitely accept either side of that argument, but there's no other conversation to have with any other period in his career. He is at an all-time high right alongside with his Shawn Michaels— feud and it's amazing it's really cool to see i know i don't want to jump too far ahead because although you just talked about 
WrestleMania, but I, I am interested in your perspective on the shark cage. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there needs to be a few more. You can't just throw somebody up in the shark cage, man. I think like, it's funny that they're bringing that back. It's I, and I, it might be because you know they put out a toy with the cage that hangs above the ring. So maybe they decided like, oh, we haven't done that in forever. We should start <laughs> doing that more because they did it at Takeover with Paul Ellering. Um, I think it's a creative way. Like you could just do the typical. Here's the thing: you could do. Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens in a steel cage to make sure that Jericho doesn't interfere. But you did Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins in Hell in a Cell, and Chris Jericho still interfered. If you can interfere in a Hell in a Cell match, then I could see where logically the only thing you could do to ensure that Chris Jericho does not interfere in that title match at the Royal Rumble is to put him in a shark cage high above the ring. So I and I think uh, I this kind of, might lead to the debut of Shark Boy. I don't know if they're my act- hopes are up. I don't know if they're going to go full shark on this. It thing. might be Shark Week. Yeah, it could be. It could Too be. much birthday. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think that. The, I think you're you're focusing on the shark part instead of the cage oh, part. Oh, okay, right, 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 right. 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 Um, I kind of this was, one's on me. I was. <laughs> that's my bad. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that uh, Jericho would end up in that cage for the entire episode of Raw. That's what I thought was going to happen. But then I also realized it'd be kind of difficult to take, like, the Sasha Banks, Nia Jax confrontation terribly seriously if Chris Jericho is dangling above the ring going, let me out of here! I was more thinking of that he would probably have to pee. He probably, Yeah, he might have to. That's go where to- my head was like, oh, that's a good idea, but he might have to use the restroom. Right, right. So let him down. Just You think that's what they do backstage? They're like, well, how's he going to use the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. We should let him down. <laughs> uh... But yeah, I thought I thought that was cool. Um, and I yeah, I, I it's 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 an interesting way to to do Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens again. I was kind of I really if Roman Reigns is going to be a serious contender for that Universal Championship, I almost feel like you got to get the United States title off of him, you know, because he's not doing what John Cena did for it anymore, because now. It's an afterthought because it's just stuck on the guy who's in the universal title scene. I See, here's what I'm thinking. It feels like Seth Rollins... I think it's going to be a Seth Rollins-Triple H match. Whoa. At WrestleMania. Whoa. I think that's... To me, that's obvious. That's where I think that it's going. That's monster. And I kind of worry that Rollins is going to win the title before WrestleMania cuz I don't I want I very much want to see a Seth Rollins Triple H match at WrestleMania but I don't need it to be for the title because Triple H is not in my mind probably going to come back full time so if you know one of the guys is not going to be around mm. it kind of takes a little bit of luster away from the match being for the title and also I almost think Although that we could have a Lesnar situation. You could or a Rock, the Rock did it. But I don't I don't think that match needs the title either. I think you can stick the universal title in another match to make it a bigger match. I think Seth Rollins versus Triple H can stand on its own based on the stories that have been told with those two. Or you could just throw in a shark cage. Oh, I don't know that there'll be a shark cage at WrestleMania. No. Yeah, it's it's oh. actually an open air stadium. Oh. Not that they couldn't build a contraption. I'm sure they could. They've great engineers. Uh, they over have there. good budget for Mania. Imagineers, I think, work at WWE. <laughs> but uh uh yeah, so that'd be interesting. But so Raw, I thought was 
good. Raw's been good the past several weeks. And to me, it's watching not only the storylines kind of interplay with each other, but a lot more segments have purpose. A lot more segments are leading places. It's not all about one storyline. And what they're doing right with the cruiserweights is they're telling stories now. They're they're adding. It's obvious to me that people backstage have they're, they're highly uh, 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 interested in the cruiserweight division because they're giving guys a reason to be there. They're making like whether it's it's Noam Dar and uh, Cedric Alexander fighting over Alicia Fox or but t- also to throw Neville in there or Neville That's and huge. Brian Kendrick trying to take over the whole thing and like beating up all the young guys. Like I think that that's all really cool. I still think that the la- the re- the element that the cruiserweight division needs is to start interplaying with the rest of the show. I think you need to s- I still think you need to get rid of the purple. If it's on Raw, if you're doing 205 live, then keep the purple cuz it's its own show. But if you're going to have the cruiserweights be on Raw, I still think you need to get rid of the purple and you need to create this world where the the heavyweights or the standard stars and the cruiserweights kind of are always running this risk of interacting with each other. Like Braun Strowman may interrupt a Rich Swan match. You know what I mean? Or or Chris Jericho could have a problem with TJ Perkins or whatever it is. Do you think they started to do that, though, by sprinkling in bad Neville, for no, example? No, because Neville— I understand he's in that, in that category. Cause he's, yeah, because he's got a history— Outside of the cruiserweight division, but he's not doing anything outside of the cruiserweight division now. So it's still existing inside the box of cruiserweight division. Neville is mm. not going after anybody who's not a cruiserweight. I like where you're going with this. You see what I'm saying? It's a good hypothesis. So it's like this idea that there could be interplay. Because if there's if if you if there couldn't be interplay, it still feels scripted to me. Well, and I also feel like that gets kind of stale fast. It could. How many times can you see those same matches over and over and over again? And and I also think that they'll actually build the guys up to be bigger stars. Like I think that a lot of the guys, obviously Rich Swan is a favorite of mine. Uh, everybody, Brian Kendrick and and T.J. Perkins and Neville, obviously as well. Uh, gentleman Jack Gallagher, I, it's the, the greatest. Uh, a lot of the guys there, but if they're not interplaying with the guys that are on Raw that we've been trained to see as superstars, I don't know if we're going to be able to see the cruiserweights as superstars, which we should. And that and it'll make the cruiserweight title mean a little more. It'll make 205 Live more in-demand viewing if we're looking at, even if it's mid-level. Like, have Rusev get into a thing with whoever. Gentleman Jack Gallagher or or TJ Perkins or somebody. Or or it doesn't have to be Rusev. Any of the guys on that on that section. And 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 let that become this weaving in and out part of the show as opposed to this separate thing. Because the women's division, right, is a separate division. But when we see Charlotte and Sasha, we don't look at them as something separate from the show. Now, you're not going to see Sasha versus one of the male competitors, but you could see a mixed tag. You could see a thing where the storylines that involve the women could theoretically also involve the men and have in the past. 
and we have this feeling that it it could happen. It doesn't have to happen every time, but it could. The feeling with the cruiserweights is that that can't happen. Well, and I feel like you definitely put them in like ladder matches and stuff. Sure, you yeah stipulations hands down. Yeah, yeah. But more interplay overall is a great idea. Yeah, I think that I think that that's the one thing it's missing. But I think it's made great improvements since it started. And I think part of that is is the storytelling. And I think after T.J. Perkins was on the uh, pre-show, I thought he did awesome. Uh, I mean, the kickoff show. It was. I thought he did awesome. I thought Bailey did really, really awesome too. But I thought T.J. Perkins was awesome because it was like the first time I was like, I kind of wish you were a bad guy. Oh, really? While I was talking to him, I was like, you got a lot of, you got a chip on your shoulder. There's a lot of ego there. And you're downplaying Rich Swan as the champion. Like, you're, you're, you're pointing out that you think he got lucky, which is fine, but it's not a very good guy thing to do. It's not a nice thing to say, especially to your friend. And it was kind of like, yeah, if you think this highly of yourself, I could definitely see you as a bad guy. Huh. And that maybe, I mean, and maybe that's a little bit in the future, but I, I, that's just the... The vibe that I got, like, yeah, I could get, I could, I could get behind you as a bad guy. I could see that. You know? I think that'd be cool. Good character. Yeah. Great I, new character to, to the, I mean, 20 years in the making, but. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Um, so, yeah. Uh, did you think the Charlotte, not to be tangential, did you think the Charlotte-Sasha match was one of the best ever? Well, it's tough. I think that the Charlotte-Sasha series is something that we're going to have to look back on with a proper lens because I think fans started getting jaded with the amount of title switches that were happening and the amount of what she's winning, what she's winning. And it's tough to make history like six times in a calendar year. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they just continuously like now we're the raw main event. Now we're false can anywhere. Now we're hell in a cell. Now we're Iron Man now. And it's like one after another, after another, after another in real short order. And I think that that was because, they wanted to build and build and build and build as quickly as possible, and they wanted to get it out of the way so they can build towards whatever the next thing is, maybe some kind of Bailey-Charlotte thing, maybe even a Bailey-Sasha thing after Bailey's done with Charlotte. Who knows? But I, I to me, it was a great match. I love. I thought they did an amazing job with that match. It was really— I'm surprised to hear you not say that you thought it was one of the, like— Well, it's tough to say. Like, I, yeah, it was one of— the best, I guess, but there, there have been—it's one of the best matches has happened, like, every other week. So that's why, I mean, you have to kind of pull back to kind of start to separate them. Because, like, when Sasha Banks and Bailey wrestled at the TakeOver show mm-hmm. in Brooklyn, that was one that—it it was this moment that stood by itself, and we were like, oh, my God, that was amazing. When Charlotte and Natty— had that match at NXT that you remember mm-hmm. years ago. It stood by itself, and it was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. When these matches, they're like, because I thought that people, some people were, I think, unfair to the Hell in a Cell match, but I thought the Hell in a Cell match was great, and that watching those two put everything on the line like that blew my mind. Um, you know, I thought the Falls Can Anywhere match was really, really good, and I thought the Iron Man match uh, was really, really good. But I also expected it to be really, really good. I think we've taken for granted, though, how incredible and consistent both Charlotte and Sasha are. Charlotte's not bluffing. And on Mike. She went on Raw Talk and she went on Raw and said she called herself the best superstar, not the best female superstar. (laughs) It's amazing. And it's like, yeah, you can make that argument. Yep. She is that good. And And Charlotte, I think, more than maybe anybody this entire year, her improvements on the microphone are um, awesome. 
killer. Awesome. Because not that she was terrible or anything, but she is like one of the best in that department at the moment as well. She just does what she does kind of perfectly. Um, well, and the unexpected emotional roller coaster that you get from her. Yeah. And it's real. It feels real. Yeah. And I, I don't I'm not think, even sure if it is or isn't. And I don't, I don't think that they're, it doesn't, some people are like, oh, they're not being fair to Sasha. I can't believe they took the title off her, blah, blah, blah. Like they're burying Sasha Banks. And I'm like, let's relax with that. Sasha Banks has been women's champion three times now. She's headlining pay-per-views. Like, yeah, I understand they want to go, they're going with Charlotte. Like that's who they're going with at the moment. But Sasha's not being treated like yesterday's news. And one would assume at some point she will overcome Nia Jax, which is major for Sasha Banks. Well, after we saw that monster kick to the crutch. Yeah. You know, anything She really did. She sent that crutch like halfway across the building. I was being facetious. She kicked that crutch hard. I noticed that when I was watching. I'm like, geez, Nia. (laughs) An accident in there. The the bloody ending of that Charlotte-Sasha match. I hate to go there, but... Yeah. That was... Yeah, yeah, man, it was it, it, it was it was for real. Yeah, did she so take a hit to the mouth? I think so. Jeez. That's what it looked like. She's coming from. That's yeah. cringeworthy. Yeah, I mean, it was real though. It was cool. It added, I think. Um, but you know how I feel about blood adding. What did you did you get a chance to watch SmackDown? You know it, dude. So what do you think of the uh, SmackDown? Went much edgier this week than it has been in a long time. I tell you what, I loved. James Ellsworth getting the garbage knocked out of him. Like, I finally felt like, okay, we're being reminded that AJ Styles is the champion of the world. That AJ Styles is one of the best superstars in all of sports entertainment, anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. And that it's a joke that he would defend the title against James Ellsworth. So the fact that he just annihilated James Ellsworth was exactly what needed to happen, and I was so... Happy to see it happen because it reminded you like, okay, now we're ready to move in a serious direction. Well, and I'm actually not to deflect from that point, but I'm actually still shocked at how much play Baron Corbin is getting. I told you he was amazing. I know, but I mean, put a spotlight on that. Forget Ellsworth for a second. I was about, that's my, yeah, you're right. And that was the next point I was going to make. I'm psyched that Baron Corbin got added to this match. First of all, I feel like I was watching SmackDown, and they just decide next week SmackDown is going to be basically a pay-per-view. And you're like, awesome. Like, this episode (laughs) rules. This was, like, one of the best SmackDowns in a long time. And then next week it's, like, a pay-per-view? Terrific. So I think think adding Baron— You put Baron Corbin up up, up on eight—I mean, that's not fair to say after we just stacked him up against Ellsworth, but— Baron Corbin, AJ Styles is even in that same playing field. I think Baron Corbin's on the Dolph Ziggler level. Yeah, but we already saw that. But no, I'm saying because it, it was AJ versus Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Yeah, and I could see I see Baron Corbin belonging there. Absolutely. Wow. He's just one. He's he's a really good bad guy. He's really good, and he's only getting better, and he's going to get continuously better. I just look back at t- like. Following the whole NXT thing from its infancy, Uh you even further back than me. Yeah. And watching somebody, and again, this is a little off point, but watching somebody like Tyler Breeze kind of fall into the background when you have other stars like TJ Perkins or Dome Noir coming up, and then somebody like Baron Corbin, who we saw come out at WrestleMania. Did you say Dome Noir instead of Gnome Dar? Whoa. (laughs) My brain just twisted everything around. (laughs) 
hello, 2017. But yeah. But you know my point. Like in, in But you remember. Do you remember? Hold on. When WrestleMania, yeah. we were like, what? It was a surprise, but remember, I was excited. And then he wins. I was like, no way. You remember before WrestleMania. I don't even remember which NXT show it was, but you and I were in the audience. And they were playing like a hype video for a Baron Corbin match, whatever it was. Maybe it was versus Apollo Crews. I don't remember. And that was when they first started, when Baron Corbin did that video. And he first started, he goes, a lot of people say that they worked their whole life to get here. I got a phone call. Not even I made a phone call. <laughs> the best line in that was. I got a phone call. They, made, they worked their whole life to get there. They did matches for hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. They did matches for hot dogs. We were the only people clapping. I got a phone call. But I told you. I was like, that's like one of the best characters I've seen in a long time. And you're like, really? I hate him. And I was like, exactly. From then, I was like sold on this guy who like doesn't care. Like he's like, there's, there, there's. But I, I, I'm, tr- my point here is, yes. that I love this conversation because we watched. I don't know why I'm comparing the two, but I think it stands as a good example. Like we watched Tyler Breeze kill it in NXT, Tyler and then Breeze just is, look at who. It's either hit or miss. Tyler Breeze is a different animal, though. Tyler Breeze, number one, doesn't have the size that Baron Corbin does, and number two, his character is like kind of a fun, silly character. Yeah, but you could have pushed a Mr. Perfect style. Yeah, but not. I'm saying he's a different realm. He's a different entity. But my point in all this is like, but there's some... really, but wow, even... I'm surprised. I don't disagree with it. Even but when I'm surprised, even with Tyler Breeze, there was this question of is that going to work when he on the Worked main roster? NXT big time. I know, but so did the so did the vaude villains in the Ascension. Oh yeah, what happened to them? Yeah, um, I mean they're in the tag team division on SmackDown, but right. yeah, but it's one of those things where yeah, NXT is a different animal. And there was a question about whether Tyler Breeze was going to work on the main roster. And who knows? Maybe under different circumstances he would have. Maybe it would, I don't know. But I do know. I just never saw it going Brizango. I, that's all I'm saying. Right. Or Febreze, whatever you want to call it. Right. But I do know that Baron Corbin should absolutely be where he's at. Like, wow. 100%. That's a lofty statement, Sam Roberts. I'm a big Baron Corbin fan. And I haven't for a long time, but I'm a big Baron Corbin fan. And he's gonna he's going to get even bigger. Like this is a guy this is he's a main event person. Come on. I guarantee it. He is a main event person. A hundred percent. I put him as tier two. Okay. Subjective opinion. i I'm I'm with you. I, I get where you, you could say that. But I promise you he'll be a main I event. I respect guy. the I don't give an F attitude. Right. I love that in the character. Right. Move set wise, no. But but tier one, no. But First of all, his moveset is pretty impressive. The agility he's got for a guy his size is cool. His, his, his finisher is awesome. The way he snaps back and moves and stuff, his mobility is very good. Secondly, the reason his character works so good is because it's his, it feels like it's who he is as a real person. Like, And that's why he gets on people's nerves. Same thing with The Miz. Because the Miz that you see now, the Baron Corbin mm. that you see, they're different people, but you feel like that's who they are as a human being. There is a thing on the network that I watched. It was like months ago on Corbin, where to your exact point. People didn't like, like Corbin after that. That's the— uh, uh, It was well done. That's the one that what we— was that? We did the promo for it when we did the interviews for it. Uh, Breaking Ground. Are you sure? Yep. Yep. Baron He's like Corbin. on his motorcycle. Yes. Like, I don't give a crap what yes. people think about me. But guess what? He's living Baron Corbin. 
And that's what you need out of people. He's living this thing. And that's what I love. I can believe it. That's why SmackDown was so good this week. Because when The Miz, when Renee said something like, you're obsessed with Dean Ambrose or whatever, and The Miz said, no, why don't we talk about how you're obsessed with Dean Ambrose? You're the one sleeping with him. And she smacked him in the face. I go, I just saw real life. Like, because she is sleeping with Dean Ambrose. And they don't talk about that on TV. And this is for real now. This isn't wrestling anymore. You know what I mean? See, you like that crossover. I don't. And then when 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 Natty started calling, admitted that she did my storyline of the Tanya Harding thing that I talked about on this podcast. Ooh, very good. Uh, you know, weeks before it happened. But when Natty admitted, finally admitted that she did it and called Nikki Bella a bitch twice on TV and was like, I should have the spinoff show. I should do this. Blah, 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 blah. I go, yep. I believe that that's how you feel as a person. I believe you. And that's where you've got captivating TV. So what if we see like a, a Podesta slash Laurinaitis WikiLeaks thing happen? Like is it, how real is this going to get? Well, I don't know if there are actually leaked emails for John Laurinaitis. You but, know? But, but it, that's what I mean. It's not just about like taking what's popular and working it into a storyline. It's about, okay, no, what's really going on with real life? It goes back to WrestleMania five. It's like, you know what? In real life, Macho Man is kind of a jealous guy when it comes to his real-life wife, Elizabeth. What if that's his problem with Hulk Hogan? What if that's what makes the mega powers collide? And what if we work that story out over the course of a year? And guess what? It is still looked at as one of the greatest storylines of all time. Every storyline that worked in the Attitude Era. Lita Edge. <coughs> yeah, after the Attitude Era. Lita Edge. Real life. There's, there's definitely time line like definite milestones of where this to your point is has existed yeah i mean i believe you like that though it's the best i don't see maybe that's subjective dude who's the best bad guy of all time debatable you're gonna ask me that on the fly who's yours answer is vince mcmahon okay that's good that's the answer you know why because he screwed bret hart that's what started the whole thing. And it's not because he storyline screwed Bret Hart. Charles Robinson? It's because... He, he screwed everybody. But he actually did it. Not storyline. Like, he actually did it in real life. True. And Bret Hart is like, no, we're not telling stories anymore. That happened to me. <laughs> and then Vince is like, hey, I know that all of you watching this know that that's true. It's really bad. So let's acknowledge it. And if you're going to boo me because of real life... I'll give you a reason to boo me because wrestling isn't like walking dead, right? Like when you can, like you've met, what's it with Daryl? Well, who plays Daryl? Norman Reedus. You've met Norman Reedus, right? Mm -hmm. But when you watch Daryl on walking dead, you don't think of the guy that you know, you think that's Daryl that I'm watching, but that's not how people watch wrestling. And that's not how people see wrestling when they see it live. Like there's that, there's this weird thing where Wrestling becomes this like heightened version of real life as opposed to just a character that's invented for me. So when you start going, that's real life, I go, oh, yeah, I want to see it. That's why I watch Talking Smack religiously because it really started with The Miz going off on Daniel Bryan and being like. But do you think those moments should be peppered in or do you think they should be consistent? Because you could you could easily overkill this. Well, yeah, you could overkill it, but I'd rather overkill with this than overkill with stuff that I don't believe. Here's one that it, tell me if this falls in that bucket. When Charlotte 
was on Raw Talk after the pay-per-view. Yeah. And she was, like, all emotional. Right. I thought that was real. It was real. But then she had to quickly switch but she was geni- by choice or not she was geni- to, like, a bad guy. She was genius, I felt about it. She's genius about everything. Like, I can't figure her out. Because she took that, and she was like, I want to be better than Sasha, blah, 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 blah. And she's talking like, oh, this is real life. And then seamlessly, without being prodded, without having, like, it didn't take questions to get her to where she was supposed to be. She seamlessly just just merged yeah. into an I am better than Sasha Banks. And it's like, yes. That's what that was about. That was, about. like, Oscar-worthy right there. But Because it's real. Because she really did show up to NXT. Wanting, she did show up to NXT. I looking... mean, I think I have a problem with when you have, like, Linda McMahon or, or Stephanie McMahon hooking up with wrestlers. Like, when it's, it just starts to get a little too blue for me. What are you talking about, Stephanie McMahon hooking up with wrestlers? Well, like, You're talking about Triple H? To... She's married to the guy. No, dude. <laughs> you know my point, though. In real life. Vince McMahon and Sable. I mean, we can go back. Well, I don't think we're going decades, that far with this. But that's, that's where I have a problem with it crossing over. And by the way, I loved all of that. There's your point. And you're talking about the storylines for WWE during its highest rated period ever. However, society was different then. That's when Jerry Springer was popular, Howard Stern was popular. Like, there's a whole bunch of different stuff going on where that stuff— Many people will disagree with me. I just bring you my honest point, my honest feelings. That stuff that was a little blue— Blue. —was more popular in entertainment in general— then, then it is now. Now people get offended all the time, but it's not about being. Well, and I'm not trying to be cupcake about it. No, either. I don't think so either. Because I don't like this whole sensitivity era that's happening right now, and that's a whole other but soliloquy. It's not about like vulgarities and being blue, at all. That's not what it's about. It's about real life. It's about reality coming in and just storytelling happening. Like, I didn't think Enzo and Lana's thing was over the top, especially for 10:30 at night. I didn't. I didn't care for it. And they go for the buns. Yeah. Like what? Did that? Did really? Well, I tell you what. Really? If that hadn't happened, then it's mm, okay. Big Cass versus Rusev. Uh. Well, at this point, you could just say uh, Big Cass versus Rusev. No, not at all. Come on. Because after that thing, come on. I was like, okay, there's a reason for this to happen. Yeah, but at this point, at this juncture, right now, we're at a stalemate with that. Until the next thing happens, because things are actually happening. And even even the even the Cesaro Sheamus thing in the bar, when they got into that barroom brawl, like that wasn't vulgar at all. But it was this storytelling that was happening outside of the world, and that to me was what the Enzo hotel thing was about. It was about the story going outside of the arena, and like entering into you can feel like okay, Enzo is now becoming this character that's a fully developed person, that all of that can now be played out in matches. And all of that can be played out in why we're watching what we're watching. And that, to me, is what's like, okay, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm on it. We got this now. Yes. I, I, I buy that. Maybe I do, uh, the point we're hitting, and I want to talk about New Day because I'm really interested in your opinion on where they're going with that. But, like, when Lana, when, like, the TMZ thing happened and Lana and Rusev are married, mm-hmm. I like that kind of real life. Well, that was a kind of a disaster, though. But it was real life. Yeah, but it wasn't... It wasn't take off your pants. Like, why do we have to hit that point? For, is it a ratings thing? Well, no, the whole... Like, why do you have to get that blue? Or is that what works? And I'm, I'm, maybe I'm out of touch. Because it's real life. But probably... Am why is regard. a man... Why is a man... What? Give me a reason 
the number one reason that a man would want to fight another man. Because he was inappropriate, he behaved inappropriately around his wife. Because he stole his Pez? Exactly. Or we could do that. Yeah. Do I want to watch a show where, you know, Enzo was like, hey, Rusev, I got your Pez, you sloppy jalopy. Like, <laughs> so what? Buy new Pez. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> But I'm like, he disrespected his wife. But he did it, like, you have to do it in such a way where Enzo is still, can still at least argue that he's a good guy. And you could argue that. You could lose the argument. You could take either side of it. But it's a discussion to have. Was Enzo still a good guy? Lana was married, but she did throw off her wedding ring. She was pushing him along. Like, you know what I mean? That's a discussion. And there's something, like, there's something to sink your teeth into. There's a discussion to have about this story. And, and... You know, that's that's where, to me, it gets good. When there's a discussion to have about a story. And, like, when it's understandable. Well, why does why does Natty hate Nikki Bella? Well, Nikki Bella, she's... John Cena's her boyfriend. And she gets all these opportunities, but Natty's been there forever. And it's like all those things that fans complain about on the internet in a real-life way start to get morphed into how the story's being told without fully pulling the curtain back and just, you know, making a mess of everything. Like, that is what, to me, is going to make people take this stuff a little bit seriously enough to want to watch it. Mm. You know, that's... I see your point. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a, like a, a more well, rich story. Well, it's like when you telling. asked uh, Ziggler about Cena. Right, that? Yeah. yes, that was, yes. That was so long ago, but it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can only see so much a guy come to the ring and say, hey, you think you're so tough? You're not so tough. I'm tougher than you. And then the guy comes out and goes, well, then put your title on the line. And then there's a match. And it's like, okay. But we've seen it. You know, WWE's been around for a long time. And so you have to constantly be figuring out new ways to tell stories. And I think that that's happening. And speaking of new. Oh, you stole my segue. New day. What do you want to know? What do you? What do you? What a point in a in their timeline. Where do you go from there? Um, I don't know. I definitely think it's a, a good time for them to lose the titles. You know, I'm glad they got it. They've got the. That's what I mean. After the record, they got their record. Deserved. Yeah, and I think that Sheamus and Cesaro is the right choice because again, after the barroom brawl segment on Raw, fans started to be to get behind them. And there's this thing like, okay, and it's the first time in a while that fans have cared a lot about Sheamus and cared a lot about Cesaro. And it's just a good spot for them to be in. And I think they're they're the right pick to have the tag titles. Um, and New Day, I mean, what, at this point, it's like they have the record. So what good does it do to just keep the titles on them? Just, you know, without... I feel like something very fresh has to happen to kind of reinvigorate them, though, because it's been going so successful for so long. Well, a couple... I, it's, like, it's like, how long do you play it out? It seems tough, because it, it seems like they're still selling a lot of merchandise. Right. So it's like, you don't want to screw with that, right? But at the same time, it's like, do you want to break them up? Not really. I could see them going back to being bad guys, because when they first started to be this version of the New Day, they were bad guys. Right. And then, because people booed them. So they became goofy New Day that they are now, but it was, they cheated. And you can sort of see in the last few weeks, off and on, they do things that are bad guy-ish. Subtle. Yes, yes. Yes. So I could see that happening. 
and I would I would I would be in favor of that. It might um, be a weird question, but do you think they would sell as much merch if they went like flip to the dark side? Not if they did it right. They shouldn't. They shouldn't sell as much merch. Not if they were doing bad guy correctly. No. Yeah. Because otherwise you're still going to get cheered everywhere because everybody's wearing your t-shirts and stuff. And it's like, well, then you're not a bad guy. Maybe it's like a dark horse instead of a unicorn. I'm just spitballing. That works. Throwing out ideas. That works for Top me. Top of my head. Yeah. No, that works for me. Oh, man. So, yeah. Katie, I'm glad you came back. Ah. This went quick. Oh, Real my gosh. Quick. Wait, wait, wait. It's over? It's over. It's That's over. sad. Modi. Well, you can come back. Okay. Okay. You can, of course, follow Wait, Katie. Seriously, when do we see you back on, on the air, though? Can I, may I ask? No, I have prod? no idea. I mean, I, again, like, I was asked to do the Roadblock End of the Line kickoff show. Can I be so bold as to say, you know, maybe throw a tweet out there, dude? I mean, I don't need a, you can, but I don't need a Twitter campaign. No, you don't. But, like, I mean. And it, I don't want them, like, thinking that, you know, I don't need it. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's deserved. Yeah, no, I mean, I really appreciate it. It was so it. solid, I man. got lots of feedback, and I really appreciate okay, all good. you guys giving me feedback. And it's, it's yeah, it's totally cool. But at this point of view. Because anytime you need us, Sam, we got your back. I appreciate that. I, yeah, it's it's whatever every, I don't know, I don't know if even they know, but they asked me to do the Roadblock uh, end of the line kickoff show, and I was happy to do it. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. Thanks for coming. You can follow Katie at Katie Linendahl, and you can go to katielinendahl.com. Last-minute gift suggestions at katie.gifts, and her podcast is katie.show. Austin Creed's on there. Yeah, I listened to that one. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, we know him as Xavier Woods. Yeah. Us uh, wrestling people. And we'll see you back here next week for another Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at MilkSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.